In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we take up a piece of the action. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Tracking Through Compliance, Episode 46, A Piece of the Action. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode A Piece of the Action, which aired on January 12, 1968, Stardate 3211.7. Story synopsis. The crew of the Enterprise attempts to make contact with the inhabitants of the planet Sigma Iosha 2, and Uura puts Kirk in communication with the boss, Oxmix. The intelligence and imitative inhabitants of Sigma Iosha 2 have built a culture around the book Chicago Mobs of the 20s, which was published in 1992 and which was accidentally left behind 100 years ago by the SS Horizon when they visited the planet. The Horizon was subsequently lost in space, and its report only reached the Federation one month previously because it was sent via conventional radio instead of subspace communication. At the time of the Horizon visit, the non-interference directive was not in effect, so Kirk, McCoy, and Spock wonder what sort of contamination they will encounter when they beam down to the agreed rendezvous point, a city intersection next to a yellow fire hydrant. Upon arriving, they are held at gunpoint by Oxmix's men, but are taken to safety by the boss after a machine gun attack by his rival boss, Krakow. Oxmix reports that there are a dozen or so bosses across the planet, each controlling his own territory. He asks Kirk to supply him with weapons so he can take over the planet and becomes upset when Kirk tells him that is not possible. Oxmix has his, has his men escort Kirk and party to a warehouse and hold them prisoner, then uses Kirk's communicator to demand that Scotty beam down a bunch of phasers within eight hours or he will burn the landing party. Kirk wrangles out of the imprisonment by pretending to teach the Iotians the card game Fizzbin. With this distraction, Kirk and Spock overpower the guards. Kirk instructs Spock and McCoy to use the radio station to contact Scotty and beam back to the Enterprise. Unfortunately, as soon as Kirk leaves the warehouse, he is kidnapped by some of Krakow's men. Jojo Krakow, who is the boss of the South Side, always wants, also wants heaters and instructions on how to use them and offers Kirk a third of the proceeds of their use. He is not amused when Kirk suggests a sit-down conference to discuss the planet-wide unification and has some of his men notify Searle the Knife that he may have a job. Oxmix learns about Kirk's capture and contacts the Enterprise. By promising a truce, he gets McCoy and Spock to beam down to discuss how Kirk can be freed. After beaming down, however, Spock instructs Scotty, uh, they are double-crossed, of course, by Oxmix, and Spock instructs Scotty Scotty to set the ship's ship's phasers on wide dispersion stun for the region surrounding the beam-down point. As Spock suspected, he and McCoy are immediately taken prisoner. However, Kirk has been able to escape from his prison cell by pretending to be hurt, then subduing his guards. He makes his way back to Oxmix's office and frees Spock and McCoy. He also forces two of Oxmix's men to exchange clothes with himself and Spock, and the two make their jerky way to Krakow by stealing a manual transmission automobile. While staking out Krakow's place, 
Spock and Kirk are accosted by a young hoodlum who offers to help them make the hit in exchange for a piece of the action. He describes the men guarding the door, distracts them rather, by pretending to be hurt. Kirk and Spock pretend to be his family and then overpower the unsuspecting guards. Once inside, however, they find that they have been expected and are covered by machine gun-wielding gangsters. Kirk convinces Krakow that the Federation is moving in and tells Krakow that he will be in for a cut of piece of the action if he cooperates. He then has Scotty beam Krakow up to the Enterprise, although Scott is initially perplexed by Kirk's gangster lingo. Kirk then gives the same story to Oxmix and has him call the other bosses. Scott locates the people on the other end of the phone line and transports them to Oxmix's office. They seem to agree to unification under the Federation, which will get a 40% cut, but then demand to see proof that Kirk and company actually have some muscle backing them up. At this point, a hit begins on Ox Mix's men, and Krakow uses the opportunity to again take Kirk, McCoy, and Spock hostage. He does grant Kirk one last transmission to the Enterprise, which Kirk uses to tell Scotty to stun the battling gangsters using the ship's phasers. The bosses are impressed by this dis- display and agree to Kirk's original proposal with Oxmix as the head boss and Krakow as his lieutenant. Spock has reservations about the idea of leaving a criminal organization in charge and also wonders how Kirk plans to collect the 40% cut every year, but Kirk poo-poos his objections. After the Enterprise leaves, McCoy realizes he has left his communicator behind in Bella's office. The communicator contains a transtator, the integral part of all machinery found on the Enterprise, so it's very likely the imitative Iotians will have made an impressive technological process and progress the next time they are visited by the Federation. What's the fun fact from today's episode? This episode has two actions unique to all of Star Trek, the original series. This episode marks the only time in the entire Star Trek franchise that Kirk calls McCoy by his full name, nickname, Sawbones. Second, this is the only episode in which the ship's phasers are set to stun. Some have labeled this episode a piece of fluff, but I think there are some larger issues that you should consider. Uh, So would an entire culture be willing to throw away everything that made them unique in favor of something a group of aliens brought to them? Uh, So, for instance, do any of the Ioceans feel threatened by the changes uh, suggested or even demanded by Kirk in the Enterprise? Do they try to rebel against this terrorization of their planet. Uh, as to people who opposed this, were they silenced, imprisoned, martyred? Uh, would they have been? Could there exist an underground that would maintain the old ways of uh, hits and bumps and um, a piece of the action? So uh, it's interesting to think about this story in that context, but it's also interesting to think about what happens if uh, Voyager or some other future starship visits uh, the Iocean planet and does what Kirk suggests, come back and try to get uh, the Federation's piece of the action. I can hardly imagine what they might find, but it might make for a very interesting episode. So what are some of the compliance takeaways? Well, first of all, uh, the written word is still very powerful in your compliance programs. Here, the Ioceans built an entire civilization around one book. Well, your compliance program is built around your code of conduct, your policies and procedures, i.e. your written 
language, your written word. Is the written word not only communicable within or communicated within your organization, but can people understand it? Two, do you communicate in the local vernacular? Uh, there's a lot of comedy in this scene with Kirk trying to talk like a tough guy and even Spock trying to do so and Scotty trying to interpret all of this. So uh, how do you speak in the local vernacular? And finally, how do you select your board of directors? Do you do a deep dive due diligence? Do you have compliance expertise on the board? Uh, this is a clearly important part of a compliance program. Join us tomorrow where we take up the immunity syndrome. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.